Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast. My name is Andrew Romeo, and today I was joined by Dan Mumby. Dan is known as that startup guy on LinkedIn. He's a 15x founder. He took a business from zero to over $10 million revenue in a few years. Um, he's also a startup mentor, an angel investor, author of the book, Before You Quit Your Day Job. Uh, Dan and I had a, had a great chat around validating idea, which pretty much turned into validating business model. Now, we can all start out from the perspective of we have a tech idea, um, we've got a concept to deliver our, our solution through technology, but in reality, we still have a business that sits around that. We still have all the mechanics around a business from customer support, customer service, customer acquisition that all needs to be considered. The technology is really just a tool to allow you to deliver what you're trying to achieve. Your customers aren't buying the technology from you. They're not. They're buying the actual value it delivers them or the job that it actually gets done for them. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Had a great time with Dan and uh, I know you'll get a lot out of it. Today on the Dev Ready Podcast, we have Dan uh, Mumby joining us today. Dan is a that startup guy he's referred to. Um, he's written a book. Um, check him out on LinkedIn. He's a 15x founder, um, startup mentor, advisor, um, and angel investor as well. So, Dan, thanks for joining us today on the Dev Ready Podcast, looking to help out non-techs who are looking to build tech and um, guiding on, on, on that journey. G'day, Andrew. Thanks for having me, mate. Cheers, Dan. Nice to see you again. Yeah, you too, mate. This is a topic that's really close to my own heart. So, yes. uh, you know, getting yeah. the tech side right of your, mm-hmm. of, of your business it's part of the journey. So yes. um, I'm excited to see whether you, where we're going to go today and what we, what we might discover. So Dan, while you're here today, we wanted to explore validating a business model and what that might mean to a tech founder or pretty much a non-tech founder looking to build tech. So Dan, what are one of the first steps? I've got this great idea. I've come up, I've got a concept. Now I want to explore it. I'm testing it out with family and friends. I'm getting all this brilliant feedback. I don't know how to build tech. I don't know what I'm doing. What should my first step be? Well, I love the premise of the question, firstly, Andrew, yeah. because the, the challenge with, with everybody that's got a good idea, mm. and I talk about this a lot in, in my own uh, speaking and writing and what have you, yes. is that what is a good idea worth? Mm. Well, a good idea of $4 will get you a cup of coffee. So the idea actually isn't <laughs> worth anything no, in of it itself. No. But it's yeah. the place to start. I mean, it's the place around which we formulate a hypothesis that of solving a compelling problem or solving a problem or, mm-hmm. or, or taking advantage of an opportunity that we see in the world. So obviously the idea is the first layer that we wrap a, a business around. But ultimately what you're trying to build is not a product or a service, but a business mm. that the idea is wrapped around a product, which is wrapped around a service, which is wrapped around an audience, which is wrapped around a market, which is then wrapped around um, you know a, a business, mm. and, and which then might, then layers might that mm-hmm. then be that it's investable and then another layer is that you're building a team and then you're building a culture of the organisation around it. So the nucleus of any great venture, and I like to use the word venture rather than a business because it's a bit like um, Columbus travelling from, uh, from Spain to the New World. It's a venture. You think you know where you're going, but the journey's going to be a little bit different and you can't predict all the places and spaces. So if you want to think about it like that, when you're going on a venture, you know that you're going to have to do some planning and some preparation. Mm-hmm. You can't just get on a boat and go. Mm. You know, you're going to want to figure out. We're going to a place that we don't know where we're going. Yes. We know we're going to need food and water. 
We're going to need provisions. We're going to need some skills and some experience. We're going to need a navigator. Mm-hmm. We're going to need some people to, you know, put the sails up. I'm yes. using the old analogy here. Yeah. I'm still on the Columbus right, analogy. Right. But, <laughs> but we're going to go on this journey together. And at the moment, it's just me with an idea mm-hmm. or a vision. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's going to be a venture. Mm-hmm. So you've got to start thinking about mapping out the waypoints to what am I going to need for each stage of the venture? What am I going to need to plan? Okay. What am I going to need in order to prepare? What am I going to need to start? And then what am I going to need along the way? Mm-hmm. And these are the things that I like to start thinking about from the very, very beginning. Okay. okay. So in the end, you can have a great idea, but what you're saying, it's not about the tech at all. Um, it's really about the model of the business and how you're going to frame that to actually serve a customer in the end, right? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, start with the mm-hmm. end in mind and then work your way back to where you are now. Mm. Um, you may not know the, the, uh, all the answers to the questions, mm-hmm. but by taking that approach, it starts helping you formulate the questions to other people to get some insight and some guidance and some advice mm. um, by being able to ask better questions. Yep. And, and that's, I think, one of the things I talk a lot about around validating a business model or validating an idea it's not actually the product or the idea or mm-hmm. the tech. Um, everybody says I'm a tech startup. Well, let's be honest, 90% of businesses these days would meet that criteria. Yeah, you'd say that. So who's not got some form of tech within your business right now? If you've got, yeah. a, if you've got a spreadsheet or a mobile phone that you're using in your business, technically, yes. You're a tech business, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, unless you're a retail business mm. using a cash register. Yes. But let's, let's be honest, so anyone can call themselves a tech business. So would you say not to call yourself a tech business? You're a business, you're a venture, um, you've got an idea that you want to deliver upon and take the tech out of the conversation because it's just a form of delivery? It's a mechanism yeah. of service delivery. Mm. You're absolutely right. Mm. It's the way that you... Um, or, or it also might be a mechanism of customer acquisition too. Yeah, it could be. So, so you might, it might be about how you deliver your service, how you support your customers, mm-hmm. how you engage with your audience, or how you acquire them. Yep. Um, it's a tool. Mm. So if I'm, if I'm um, let, let's say, if I'm going down to the big box hardware store mm-hmm. um, and um, I'm going to buy a shovel. Yes. Do I want the shovel? No, no. I don't want the shovel. Mm-hmm. What I want is the hole that the shovel will give me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So um, when it comes to the tech, the tech is your tool. It's mm-hmm. your shovel. What you want is the hole that it builds. Mm. Okay. In fact, you probably don't want the hole. What you want is the piece of timber that goes in the hole that builds the deck so you can actually have a social gatherings. Yes. So, so you can have a place of joy, yes. a, a, you know, social gatherings yep. on the weekend and et cetera, et cetera, or an outdoor room or whatever. Funny thing is I'm building a deck right now. So Are you? Yeah, that's an analogy there. <laughs> I love yeah. the, the building analogy because yeah. I'm doing a bit of renovating myself yeah, and I've just, I've just finished my deck and I've got to say, nice. outdoor room, shade sails, misting, nice chimney. Misting. Yeah, yeah, I saw those in Bunnings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought about, when I was designing that deck, should we yeah. actually, let's use that, that analogy because that might be easier for people to comprehend rather mm. than the Columbus scenario. Unless, yeah. unless you're a student of history, which I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but the example of building the deck is a really, really good one. Mm. Um, you don't start by just digging a couple of holes and, and putting a couple of posts in and what have you. Yes. You've actually got to think about the whole design, the, the design process. Right. You've got to think about what skills do I have? What can I do myself? Mm-hmm. What do I need to contract out? Yes. Do I need uh, approvals? Is there a regulatory environment or a compliance element that I have to think about, mm-hmm. which is often so true of, of many ventures, mm-hmm. especially if you're in 
in law or, or pharmaceuticals or fintech or, or other yeah, spaces. Yeah, regulated industries, right? So, yeah, so mm. there's a regulatory environment you've got to think about. So mm -hmm. do I need a permit to put my deck in? Yeah. Uh, do I have the capability? Do I have the tools? Do I have um, uh, some of the basic, really basic skills that I'm actually going to need? Mm -hmm. Or do I have access to them? Uh, do I have the resources where I've got mates who are really, really good at things that I'm not good at? Do I have friends that can assist me with the process? Um, do I have people that can help me design the thing so that it's when, when I end up building it, whatever it is, mm. does it do its intended purpose? Mm -hmm. Is it functional? Is it aesthetically pleasing? Does it have good design? Does it lead me to the type of use case that I'm looking for? Get it. So does that make yeah, sense? No, it's the way to think of it. And the deck analogy is perfect. Like I said, building a deck right now, got a bit of help from my father-in-law. Yeah. Dad doing quite a bit of it. Yep. Um, and uh, it's uh, when you don't know what you don't know. I'm not a I'm not a, a builder by, at all. I sit in a desk in an office. Yeah. On a fire and a half my day. That's what I do. Um, but yeah, looking at what goes into it, and you don't realise um, the actual complexities in design and the impacts it might have. So we left out, we built the deck and then we had a section off the top, which was probably a little bit high to walk onto a grass area, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden we have to engineer a step into this, which meant ripping off some boards and putting a step in there, uh, but not knowing that and then pivoting basically, not pivoting, you're adjusting, adjusting. to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, it's a good analogy in terms of how that can actually suit. Yeah, well, I've, I've renovated seven homes. And so yeah. for me, the process is now uh, it always starts for me with a piece of blank paper, mm -hmm. a vision in my mind of mm -hmm. what I want my outcome to be, yep. and then I design that outcome, and then I can reverse engineer my plans and my design back mm -hmm. to the point of now I go, okay, well, I've got what, what resources I've already got, what do I need, uh, what, what's this going to cost me, mm -hmm. how do I fund it, and how long is it going to take me to actually go from here to there? Yes. How much of this am I going to do myself? And how much am I going to engage other people to do? And I now, by my mapping out that process, I've very, very quickly got a, a list of resources that I have and need. I very quickly can look at my the materials I've got. Now I know what I've got to buy. So, and I, and I can very quickly look up online what the cost of these materials are. So mm. now I start to have a budget. And, and I can calculate within, and, and then I can work back and look at and map out each step of the process. Mm -hmm. And now with each step of the process, I can attach some sort of time component to it. So in the process of building my deck, yeah. I actually know that, okay, it's going to take me 60 hours of labour, let's say, mm -hmm. and I'm only prepared to put one day a weekend into it. Mm. Oh, okay. So it's going to take me eight weekends yes. to get this deck built. Yep. Oh, so now I know roughly what my waypoints and milestones are. And then, you know, oh, I've got Easter coming up. Oh, maybe I can throw in some uh, an extra couple of days there. So it's only going to take six weeks or whatever. But so what you've done is you've actually, by mapping out the, the entire process, thinking about where you want to go as your end game, which is build the deck, yes. you've then been able to bring it back to the daily activities that you need to do mm -hmm. and the things that you need to think about. And also the gaps that you need to fill in about the things that you don't know that you don't know. Yeah, and you'll find that pretty quickly when you go into planning, right? I don't know what I don't know around the deck or I don't know what I don't know about tech, right? So how a non-tech would basically need to get some advice on how to build tech um, and diving into... And you mentioned something around uh, the deck and knowing the outcome. So 
from a, a technical perspective, people are coming from the idea, but do they really know what the desired outcome is or do they really know what the customers want? Would be something I'd love to explore there and how you actually have those conversations with customers and not just within your own head and your own people. Oh, absolutely. So so I um, uh, we're gonna, we might come back to the concept of guidance a little bit later. We'll yeah. I did touch on that too. But, the, but the, when we're doing this sort of mapping out process, we're really staying at a high level. Okay, we're yep. not we're not drilling into the detail. We're not building construction drawings or something yep. like that. We're really sketching out on a piece of paper, if you will, if you follow the analogy through. Mm. We're sketching out on a piece of paper. What does this thing look like? What's the environment that I've got to work with? Yes. Um, and you know, and how much room and capacity? And also comparing that not just to to what I'm trying to achieve, but what is my capacity too? If I've never picked up a hammer before or a drill then I might look at this and say, well, you know what, I might need to contract out some more of this process and maybe just project manage some of this rather than be hands-on and do the work. Or in other cases, I might say, well, I'm actually quite competent to do this. This is within my skill set. Mm -hmm. I would like to challenge myself and stretch myself a little bit, but I think yep. I can do this. Okay. So, and, and of course, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in the friend, the neighbours, the, you know, the any, father or the father. Any hired help I can get. A, any, any, high, any, <laughs> any, help. any good advisory help that you can yes. get. Advisors are one of the most important parts of the process. Clearly. Um, because you're going to stand back together and look at it and, and arms crossed and think about it and, you know, circle yes. around it a bit, I say. Yeah. I'll say this a lot. Yeah. Circle around the problem a lot. And this yeah. is how you actually discover whether you have a really compelling problem is... It's actually about having people that you can um, ask questions of and getting that okay. insight and that perspective and their experience. And it's the questions that really matter mm -hmm. as you're mapping this out. So mm -hmm. validating an idea. Um, it's like you said, asking the right question. So, but you don't know what you don't know too. So just be prepared to explore, right? So yeah. Have the conversations and ask the dumb questions. Don't be shy of not asking a dumb question. Well, yeah, I mean, we, uh, a lot of people talk about, um, you know, how I should build a, a product, a minimum viable product and test it and get it out there. And I'm not a fan of that methodology because I think it's, it is that the problem with running to that MVP is that too often you're um, answering the question before you even know if you're asking the right question. And, and so let's stay with the deck analogy for a minute. Yep. You might say to the boss, and because remember here, the Chancellor of the Exchequer who mm -hmm. holds the, uh, the, the budget and, yep. and also the design element uh, and final approval on all stages of construction <laughs> must be obeyed, <laughs> you know, let's be honest. And, and if you're going to, um, if you're going to put to a, together a design thing, mm. you're going to have the honey conversation. You say, honey, what do you want? Yep. And she's, she's not going to tell you what she wants. She's going to tell you how she wants to feel as a result of the project finishing. Correct, yes. Okay. In the space, in the environment, yes. not about how, <laughs> it, how it looks and feels. Do, do, what are we going to use it for? Right? Are we going to use yeah. cedar? Are we going to use redwood? Are we going to yeah. use echo? It, all of those are irrelevant questions. She'll leave the detail up to you. But what she wants is a nice, relaxing outdoor space that she mm -hmm. can entertain with, for instance, or you know, it's the edge around the pool or whatever the process is. Yes. And so you've got to then figure out, am I asking the right question? Honey, how do you want to feel? What, what do you want this to be? Because then when you know what that looks like, now you know you're able to start asking the right question. Mm -hmm. What you very, very quickly find in venture land or startup land is that people start going down rabbit holes very quickly. They think they're solving one problem mm -hmm. when in fact, you know, you can get three, six, 12 months down the journey of a venture and realise that 
you're actually solving the wrong problem or that you didn't understand the problem you were attempting to solve or you had no perspective on the pain of the audience that you were solving the problem for or that it wasn't relevant to you or that you weren't passionate about it. So, yeah, interesting. So instead of going down that path, how do you know you're asking, solving the right problem? Is yeah. it better questions? Yeah. It's always about better questions. Yeah. And I like in the, um, I love a good analogy. I, I don't know if you've ever come across the movie um, I, Robot with uh, Will Smith and James Cromwell. Yeah, I have seen it, but a long, long time ago. It, it, look, yeah. it's, I think it's probably about 20 years old. Yeah. It's, a, it's a classic movie. Yeah. It was actually based on, I think, on an Arthur C. Clarke book written in 1955, whatever. Okay. So it's an absolute classic story. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the version that I saw, or the Will Smith version, I don't know if there's been other versions, mm-hmm. um, he, uh, Will Smith is a police detective and his mentor, James Cromwell, has been killed. Okay. And so um, his mentor has left him a series of holograms, or a, an AI has created a series of holograms um, to help guide Will Smith in finding his mentor's killer. Mm-hmm. But the hologram c- cannot give him the answer it can only tell him when he is asking the right question. And that's the phrase that, that, um, um, that I always have in the back of my mind. Is this the right question mm. that I'm asking? Because if I ask the right questions, I'll get maybe not the right answer, but I'll get better my right answers. Oh, uh, as, a, as I don't know if you said this, but as the saying goes, ask a better question, get a better result, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, get a better answer. So. When you're looking at questioning, you need to be questioning from the perspective of even challenging your own thoughts and the people you're talking to, challenging them around the way they're approaching it. And maybe asking a better question is asking 20, 30, 40 questions at once just to dig in, right? And don't be shy on digging in. Absolutely, yeah. yes. And, and again, to stay with the deck analogy, you don't necessarily know um, at the time mm-hmm. all of the start. What, what material are we going to use on the deck? Well, I don't know, but we're not at that point of asking that question yet. Mm. Or how do we seal the deck? Well, we don't need to worry about sealing the deck. Not right now, no. Not, not right now. We need to know the answer to that later, mm-hmm. but we don't need to know the answer to that now. Mm-hmm. What we might be want to be worrying about is, um, can we afford it? Mm. Um, do, you know, start, start with the planning questions first. Start, yeah. start with the journey questions. What are we going to need to get started? Mm-hmm. Whose help are we going to need? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what have we got now? Where are we starting from? And can we get to completion? Can we get to success from where we are with what we have, at least in the planning stage? Mm -hmm. Um, I talk a lot about um, in your planning process, but certainly in your your venture process, of having what I call go, no-go points. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really important as you're mapping out this venture journey to build in some go, no-go points. Sometimes you'll get to the point where you realise that you actually cannot get to success from where you are with what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I talk a lot about this when I'm mentoring founders because uh, often a lot of founders will say, well, I'm looking for an investor. Okay, well, investors don't invest in ideas, they invest in businesses. Mm-hmm. So what resources have you got to go from here to becoming a business that will become investable because there's a lot more people out there pitching for money than there is money available. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless you're in the top 5% of businesses, not ideas, you should not waste your time attempting to pitch for money because only the best 5% of mm-hmm. ventures will actually get investment. Okay, so it is a tough game out there. It's a tough game. Yeah. Yeah. So you would want to then maximise your chances of success mm-hmm. um, by um, knowing more 
mm-hmm. and knowing and being putting yourself in that top ten or five percent of mm-hmm. of potential ventures, and also recognizing that you know what, if I can't get to success from where I am with what I have, and I don't know how to acquire the resources, maybe I'm better off keeping my powder dry. Okay. As Richard Branson says, ideas mm-hmm. are like buses. There'll be another another one along in five minutes. Yes. <laughs> so, I'd, I'd like to think that some, sometimes you actually don't need to to run full full tilt at an idea just because mm-hmm. it's a good idea. It doesn't yeah. mean, you know, um, I'm I'm told by reliable people that once you're in the process of building a venture, mm-hmm. that the one of the most important elements is timing. Mm. I've been. Um, you read out at the beginning when you introduced me that I'm a 15 times founder. Yes. And my first venture straight out of the gate was a highly successful venture, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, generating $10 million of revenue from a standing start in three years. Yeah, okay. nice. Yeah. But repeating that's challenging. Mm-hmm. What I've realised in a number of ventures is that I was either too early, mm-hmm. and sometimes, in a couple of cases, I was five years too early, mm-hmm. and a couple of, couple of cases I was too late. Yeah, okay. What I had imagined was great, Mm-hmm. But then upon some research and a little bit of, of, of homework, mm. it was either already being done or had been done or other people had tried and failed and there was some insight and some learning that was available about why it didn't work. Mm. So keeping your powder dry, just not just running straight and going, oh, I've got an idea, let's go out and pitch for an investor or let's go yep. and build a hack together a tech product, mm-hmm. is not actually the answer. Okay. Think, think about where you're trying to go. Mm. There's another reason why I table this. Um, is that every time you do this process, you get better at it. Oh, yeah, in the end, um, it's like anything. You play, you go to the gym once, twice, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're in there three, four years, you know exactly what you're doing, how to get the best outcomes, you've researched, uh, you know what nutrition to eat, and you know all the ins and outs of your own body. Same thing with business, Um, when you walk in, have an idea of trying to deliver something, you really have no clue what you're doing, especially if you've never done it before. Um, and that's that learning and journey that you're going to be on. So it, think of it, it as a journey, in my opinion. It is. Yeah. It is absolutely a journey. Mm. But your skill, mm. knowledge, your mm-hmm. skills and knowledge and capability go up every time you do it, even if you don't actually start the venture. So I urge people to mm-hmm. actually do the planning, what have you, because you very, very quickly get good at it. Now, after having done 15 ventures, one of the things I've learned is mm-hmm. that 90% of the stuff that people think about in a venture mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Yeah, go into that. I'd love to hear what that 90% is. Well, no, yeah. well 90, 90% <laughs> people, they yeah. fuss about the colour yeah. of the logo. should yeah. be royal blue, navy yeah. blue, da, da, yeah, dark okay. blue, la, la, la. Yeah. Or what, sometimes the logo is a logo. Is a, just get yeah. it done, you know. Yeah. Do it the business card. Do I want the big font, the yeah. small font? Do that? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm using these as terrible <laughs> examples, but no, they, they're yeah. actually good ones. Yeah. We, we, we fuss and mimic and worry about the minutiae. Yes. And the minutiae oftentimes is irrelevant till a certain point. Mm. Um, but what we should be doing is we should have our strategic vision right, mm-hmm. we should have our, our strategic plan right, mm-hmm. our vision right, then our strategic vision, then our, um, and then our plan, um, and then our activity list. And we're worrying sometimes about all the bits and pieces on the activity list before we've actually got a very clear strategic vision in our mind about, mm-hmm. uh, about where we are and where we're trying to go and, and who is our audience and what problem we're solving for them and, how, and what pain do they have and how we're going to take it away and who's gone before us, mm-hmm. and who's following after us. So you've, ventured, you've touched upon customer focus there around the problem, who we're solving the problem for, um, and are we even capable of solving this problem is probably another question you want to be asking yourself 
and if not, what resources you need. But when asking, you said about strategic plan and vision, what are some of the things that I need to be considering when I jump into a business or idea around that particular area there? What should I be considering around that particular area? So one of the first things I put in my strategic mm -hmm. vision, I talk, I've, I've mentioned mm -hmm. twice already the yes. customer pain. Yes. Um, I think about the audience a lot. Because mm -hmm. I think about who is the audience? What is their pain? Are they accessible? Why? I mean, that's the most, the most important. If you cannot reach the customer or readily reach them without spending five or $10 million, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're building a brand and you've got a, a budget of, you know, if you're a large corporation, they would budget five to $10 million to build a new brand. So, yeah. if, you, so if you're building a corporation, a venture, you're going to have to recognise that you're going to need five or ten million dollars, and if you haven't got five or ten million dollars to build a brand, then mm -hmm. you know, in the absence of quote unquote going viral with some sort of guerrilla marketing campaign, you're going to really struggle. Yeah, unless you strike gold, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, so staying on the value, staying on the on the on that scenario, thinking about the audience for a second, are they accessible? Can I reach them? Do they have the capacity to pay? Mm -hmm. So, I may be selling a product to an audience. Um, that either doesn't have the capacity to pay or doesn't want mm -hmm. necessarily to pay for the product. They want the outcome that the product will give them, but they yes. may not be willing to pay for it. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So, so why? What does the audience care? Mm -hmm. And then I also want to know about the um, about the uh, life cycle of my business, mm -hmm. and I want to know what will it cause a, a, a an audience or a customer or a potential customer to recommend, repeat, refer, um, rebuy up up purchase, repurchase, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to know about those elements of, of the business. So when I'm building a an offering, I'll always be thinking about the audience and what does the audience think about this? And I say audience, other people might say stakeholders or shareholders or customers. I say audience because they're all audience mm. in some way, shape or form. Investors okay. are an audience, you know. So to get to the audience, you need to be talking to the audience. So what yep. would you recommend um, someone's got the idea? Would they go out and flesh out the plan first, then talk to your audience? Or should they be really getting in there and talking to the audience to, from the get-go? Yeah. Now, there's a lot of schools of thought on this around mm -hmm. focused feedback. Yep. Um, you know, do market research, go out and talk to 10 people. Mm -hmm. um, that's why the MVP model is often there, because hack together a product and then show it to 100 people and see what they think. I'm not a fan of that because the, the, the problem, of course, is you're channeling them, whereas I like... into that a little bit more because um, it is obviously a school of thought around MVP um, and building your first your minimum viable, but are you building minimum viable on what you assume or are you building minimum viable on what the customers actually may want? You're right. would be a different way to phrase it. Think about that, I would say. Yes, you're, yeah. you're, 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 mm -hmm. I think we're on the same page here. Yeah. The challenge is that when you think that you've hacked together a minimum viable product, you mm -hmm. don't know whether what you have yes. is a viable business. Oh, that's a different conversation. Because you haven't got yeah. the layers around it yet. Yeah. So well, you're, you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. Mm -hmm. You're targeting the customer to say, does this work and mm -hmm. how does it look and what have you. Mm. But but you've taken your eyes off of the audience mm. and you've put them back on you. Yes. Does, does my product, will you buy my product? Mm. But that's not what you're interested in. What mm -hmm. you should be looking for is, what's the pain that you have, Mr. Customer, now? And um, what are your alternatives? What are the substitutes? what looks like a great ideal state for you mm -hmm. and and what um, what would you be willing to uh, to give up or to uh, to acquire or to put in 
in order to get the outcome that you're wanting. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit like you were talking about the gym analogy before. Yes. This is the, the old analogy of the, uh, the vitamin tablet versus the headache pill. Okay. okay. So now obviously um, yep. there are a lot of people out there when they've got a headache, they'll take a, a headache tablet. Mm -hmm. Not as many people will take vitamin pills. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be a compelling reason for that person to want a course to take action. Yes. And your offering has to be some people say 10 times better, mm -hmm. maybe twice as good, maybe 50% better. Forget about what their percentage is. Um, your offering has to be the gap between the current state and the future state, mm -hmm. or your gap state, if you will, has to be large enough to overcome the inertia of inaction. That's a challenge you mentioned about the vitamins, right? Um, yeah. It's only someone that's really attuned to their body and wants to to more of a longevity. That's like an insurance policy in their mind and what that's doing for them and growing and the science behind it, right? Yeah. But if you're not, there's no initial, there's no pain now. Yeah, protecting it's, it's, it's a bit like, a, a, yeah. you might think of it like the yeah. car. It's, yeah. Taking vitamins is a bit like getting your service, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, car serviced yeah. versus getting a car repaired. Mm -hmm. You service it so that you don't have to break down in the middle of the road and get it repaired yeah. at an inopportune moment. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that no, makes sense. So, yes. Yeah. Um, gee, we've, we've, I think we've used four different yeah. analogies so <laughs> yeah, far. Know, are we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so, so the thing, we were just yeah. talking, touching before about minimum yeah. viable product. Yeah. The thing that I love mm -hmm. is the concept of minimum lovable product. And yeah, I've heard you use this before. Yeah. Yeah. Lovable is obviously not about your product anymore, right? So someone who's going to be loving that? Well, it's a, this is about the audience now yes. because, if, because a, a minimum viable product doesn't tell you whether you have a viable business. But if you have a minimum lovable product, you put it in a, an offering in people's hands. This is when you build, actually are building mm -hmm. a working version or, or a test version or a, mm -hmm. you're, you're demonstrating the example for the audience of how to solve their pain. And if you put it in their hands and they go, oh, that's really cool, Yes. You, you, you want to hear the three little words. That's yeah. really cool, yes. That's really cool. Or I love this. Yes. Or where can I get it? Mm -hmm. These are words that you want to hear because it mm -hmm. tells you then that you are intrinsically developing, you've built into the model that mm -hmm. you're building or the offering or the service delivery model, you've built in enough desire or appetite for the, for the audience to actually mm -hmm. want to overcome their inertia. Now that's... that's one of the most important things you can do if a customer's not interested or has no desire for your product, you're not going to sell many, right? No. Um, so now I get, I get the point, minimum lovable. Um, I still feel that's more of a, an end result. So what would you call the difference, obviously the end result between minimum viable product, viable meaning it's viable, it's working, the minimum level, let's actually hit the goal and desire of the customer. Well, You're targeting it, a different result. You said it right there, it's yeah. desire of the customer. Yeah. It's it's how do they feel mm -hmm. about this and what mm -hmm. do they want to do as a result? So, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, there are, there are four stages that you, you take a, a customer through. So, okay. uh, um, uh, attention, interest, desire and action. So, A-I-D-A. A-I-D-A. Okay. okay. Ada. Yep. Um, so, so, get it, so an ML, a minimum viable product might get the customer's attention and for a certain percentage of them you'll get their interest. Well, that's interesting, mm -hmm. it's got bells and whistles on it yep. and gizmos and you know, it's yep. the latest. It looks like okay. yeah, yeah, it looks right. Yeah, it looks yeah. Like, it's yeah. um, but the, the problem is of course that your business isn't viable mm -hmm. based upon um, the ones on the small amount of fanboys and fangirls that you'll get mm. that you'll show the product to. So mm. if you show your product to 100 people and then you base your decisions based upon the five people who are fanboys that go, 
oh, I love this, this is great, what have you. Yeah, yeah, and then they cause them to take action. Yes. It's only a very, very small percentage of the people. Yeah, five over 105 percent. It's not a big market. Not a very big market. Remembering that you're ideally should be showing your product only to people mm -hmm. that have the pain that you're mm. that you're offering is attempting to solve, or yes. that you're that you're iterating around the, the compelling mm. problem that the audience has. So to get to minimum lovable in this phrase, uh, we'll, we'll continue to use it. I've put a strategic plan together. Am I talking this through customers? What am I doing? Am I questioning customers? Is that where I should be? To yeah. get to minimum lovable, to define what that is, should I be working with the customer to define that or should I go and build that in a quiet corner? Well, your strategic plan, theoretically, yeah. if you talk to 100 customers about the, that are in the, the target audience, okay, mm -hmm. let's, let's assume that we're a, a target yeah. audience of 100 people mm -hmm. who have the pain. Okay. Instead of showing them the product, whether it's minimum lovable, minimum viable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera if you spent um, 10 minutes asking every one of those 100 people, yep. what's your pain? Yep. What are your substitutes? What are your alternatives? What have you seen before? What have you tried? And what would you love to see? They're all really good questions because it'll get you straight to this, the answer of pain and then love and then all of a sudden and desire and action yeah. and the customers will tell yeah. you how to mm -hmm. solve their pain mm -hmm. what you will realize very quickly mm -hmm. is that they don't want your widget yes they want the outcome that your widget will give them mm -hmm. maybe or they'll want the, the outcome that somebody's widget will give them which mm -hmm. may or may not be you yes and you'll very very quickly realize by the 10th or 12th conversation mm -hmm. that in fact what you thought was your offering yep maybe it wasn't yeah and i get that too because that's your, your offering is generally built on assumptions. It's an idea you had in your head, and you could be one of the of one of those five that are in a hundred that loves this concept, yeah. um, and put yourself out there and build a MVP is generally a direction people might take. Mm. Um, and I've seen this before. I've had customers come to us. I've had startups come to us. We're advising one at the moment that's gone and built a product, invested over a hundred k into an MVP, still nowhere near it. And hasn't even had a conversation with any customers. Scary thought. I have I have one similarly, and yes. they've spent seven hundred. Yeah, that's, that's 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 not bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a lot of money <laughs> to be betting the farm on. It because, is because remember, think yeah. about this. We we're talking about the chancellor of the yeah. exchequer before. Yeah, everybody has a partner. Yeah. of some description, or or well, uh, not everybody does have. Okay, most most people, when they reach our age, mm -hmm. they have someone significant in their life who helps them guide them from the decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not necessarily your parents anymore. Yep. Maybe it's a close family member, a close friend, maybe it's a partner, mm -hmm. um, maybe it's a father-in-law, mother-in-law, what have you. Yep. People that you trust and respect whose opinions you're going to seek and, and gather. And um, if you make a mistake, mm -hmm. let, let's say, let me pick the example of a, of a couple of founders that I've seen have made, that, made this very, very terrible mistake, where they've gone down that path that we've talked about there, they've borrowed against the mortgage mm. yeah, and, pretty scary. And, and, uh, yeah. and then the venture isn't working mm -hmm. and they're still six or 12 months away from even being to the point where they could launch a product and then generate some revenue. Yes. Remembering, of course, they're going to need money to market their offering. Mm -hmm. We said before, yeah. five or $10 million is what it takes to market a brand properly. That's yeah, okay. what it takes. Yeah, if you you're know? looking at a big scalable brand, yes. Yeah, yeah but, but any brand is going to take that over time. Yeah. It's just ideally you're going to, mm -hmm generate revenue and put it back yep. in. It's going to take a while for a business, mm -hmm. maybe 12 months, maybe 18 months, maybe three years mm -hmm. to generate a profit. Mm -hmm. So the founder of the business or founders 
it can expect to be paid out of profit. So it's going to take them a while before they're going to get paid. Yes. Now, if they're in a scenario where they've borrowed against the mortgage to get the product to the point of being able to launch it, mm -hmm. um, and they're now having to um, have that conversation with their partner at home, the I'll call it the honey conversation, yeah. where um, you go home and, and she says, uh, or he says, or whatever, um, honey, um, uh, the mortgage is, uh, uh, there's not a money in the mortgage for this month. Yes. Um, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, yeah. that leads no me to a No one that conversation, do they? It, it, yeah. it's, 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 that's an interesting conversation because yeah. one of the things I talk about a lot that, that with founders, but I almost never hear it talked about, personal runway. Your actual individual capacity to go for a period of time without income. And that's obviously a, a big saving bank to be able to do that, right? Or working two jobs, three but, jobs, whatever it needs to so be. So I love a side hustle because yep. I think a side hustle is a great way to go because yep. all of this stuff that we're talking about mm. around the, the planning and the strategic vision and all mm -hmm. of that can all be done mm. from the safety of your after hours and weekends. Yes. And, and as long as you're not impinging upon the, um, the customers or the intellectual property of your employer, mm -hmm. Um, then they're not entitled to anything that you create. Correct. You can't build anything from their existing business. Yes. You know, but but neither you should. I mean, that would mm -hmm. be a, a completely unethical. Um, I couldn't espouse to working with anybody mm -hmm. who is trying to white ant their their customer or their boss or their yeah, anything. Not a good like position. <laughs> you, you, no. you, you don't. Yeah. You should never be starting a great venture. Yes. From a question of. Uh, from from a position of questionable integrity, yeah, it's just no. you know, <laughs> not going to work, not going to fly, is it? Yeah, no. <laughs> you're building your castle on sand. Yes. Let's be honest, yeah. and it ain't going to last it's long. Gonna be a rocky ride. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, so so personal runway is that question. I always mm -hmm. ask when founders say to me, I say, okay, so if you quit your day job tomorrow, by the mm -hmm. way, the title of my book is called Before You Quit Your Day Job. Okay. I get the plug in there, <laughs> but, but yeah. to give you some the, the audience some sense of what we're yeah. that I know what I'm talking about here yeah. is that what is your capacity to go without income? Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you have to think about doing before you quit your day job? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I say is give yourself some time to create some capacity. Mm -hmm. Now, um, if you know that it's going to take, let's say from the time that you quit your job to the time that you were um, profitable and you've mapped out your strategic vision, and let's say that you knew it was going to take 18 months, mm -hmm. or maybe you might provision 24 months, um, but for the first 12 months before it's generating any serious revenue, you might not be able to draw a salary at all. So you might want to figure out, how do I get 12 months worth of um, personal runway mm -hmm. into my life mm. Now, before I actually make this move, before I yeah. make the leap of faith, mm -hmm. and and that part of that planning process might be well, maybe I need to get rid of the pay TV subscriptions and the newspapers yep. I get delivered, and cut down on some of the subscription apps, mm -hmm. and cut my costs, and and mm -hmm. you know just reduce the cost of your Sell life. Sell the car, use the bus. So, yeah, I do. do <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, yeah. I know I I I think my not my last venture, but the one before, I actually had a motorbike which I loved. Mm -hmm. Sold it. Yeah. Um, probably sold it, and I lost five grand on it. It was a joy, a yeah. passion. But the vision of where I was going was more important mm -hmm. than one specific toy. Yeah, a toy or an item, yes. And everyone's got a toy or an item they can sell, we'll give them at least a month's run, maybe In, more. Absolutely. Yeah. So that cash in the bank yeah. alone, yeah. but then not having the expense of mm -hmm. the uh, you know registration and tires yeah. and servicing and all of that mm -hmm. created more capacity. Mm -hmm. Getting rid of your, uh, your pay TV subscriptions and all of those 12 different applications that you're subscribing mm -hmm. to on a monthly basis, mm -hmm. can you cut back to the free version? Yes. Thinking about this, um, 
because a couple of things. What, what have I got in my cupboard that I could put out on the online platforms and mm -hmm. sell and just convert 50 bucks here, 100 bucks mm -hmm. there, thousand mm -hmm. dollars there, the golf clubs that I haven't used for three years, you know, sell them, seriously. Give yourself some capacity and some runway mm. so that you can then say, right, now I've reduced my monthly expenditure from maybe it was, I don't know, 10 grand a month to seven. Yep. Well, there's three, three grand, grand a month. You know, awesome. yeah. There's three grand a month now mm -hmm. um, that you're not spending. So that increases your buffer, mm -hmm. but it also increases your runway because you don't no longer mm -hmm. need ten grand a month. You can seven, and over a over a period of time, you might be able to bring it down to six or five and a half. Even. And one thing you did touch upon, so you need to obviously plan out a buffer for that period before you assume profitability or yeah. find profitability, right? Yeah. And you also mentioned you'd go no no go. Um, now, what would that be in that time frame? Just say you're doing an 18-month runway, um, you've got that covered, you're looking at um, getting profitable by 18 months in, 24 months, whatever it might be. Yeah. Go, no go. How would you bring that into your strategic plan and what things could you consider as a part of, maybe I'm running for three months and then I find what? Should I stop? Should I keep going? What are the things that may halt you and maybe... Okay, so change your thinking. Well, in, in the same way that you're going to have a personal runway, you're also going to develop a business runway. And mm -hmm. so by having a buffer, a, a cash reserve, if you will, yes. you're then going to be able to allocate and with approval from the boss at home about saying, okay, honey, we've now been able to create an asset of 10 grand. Mm -hmm. I'd like to keep five grand of that as a home, home buffer. Yep. So we've always got an extra five grand and I'd like to put five grand into mm -hmm. starting the business. Okay. Okay, so you might start with a thing. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in your strategic plan, you're going to design in your, uh, you're going to do a financial plan. So you're going to do in your, your uh, projected marketing costs, your potential, uh, mm -hmm. potential milestones, all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you're also going to have an expectation of how much the things are going to cost you. So yes. you're going to have a profit projection mm -hmm. there. Yep. So that's going to feed into your business buffer. Mm -hmm. You're then from that projected profit that you're going to be making on a monthly basis, you're going to be able to then pay staff and pay people mm -hmm. and grow and expand and buy stock and yep. uh, build more product or what have you, or expand the business. Now, one thing you mentioned at the start of this conversation is an idea is an idea and everyone's got one. Um, now, we're talking not about a concept or an idea that we're trying to build tech for, are we? We're talking about a full business and how we're going to operate it, how we're going to manage it and working that out at the beginning, not going to just build some tech. Absolutely, yeah. because you're yeah. going on a journey here. Yeah. You are Christopher yeah. Columbus going to the brave yeah. new world yeah. and, you know, it may not, mm. it, fresh water, you're surrounded yeah. by sea, so you're going to yes. have to take all your fresh water with you. Mm. You're going to have to take your food and provisions with you yeah. for an indeterminate period of time mm -hmm. that you think might last you three months. Mm -hmm. But what if it's twice as far and what if it took you six months to go yeah. on the journey? You know, you can't just get to three months and then turn around because, uh, hang on a minute. I'm stuck in real nowhere. <laughs> we're out of food, you know. I mean, yeah. what, what can we do? We're out of water. We're out of provisions. Yep. We're at, you know, the, or the wind stops and mm -hmm. suddenly what you thought was going to get you there and mm -hmm. isn't going to get you there in the speed that you wanted to get yeah. to. So, so you actually have to think about having, you know, a contingency buffer in there. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like to map out the venture journey mm -hmm. for every venture, and I've done this for every venture I've ever yep. done, um, the reason I like to map out the venture journey is because now I know that I'm prepared for the things that I should be prepared for. Mm -hmm. So I only have to worry about the unplanned uh, contingencies. Okay. The things that are going to happen that yeah, I can't see. Yeah. But I, it's not that the things that happen that I should have seen, mm -hmm. and this is where the go-no-go -no points come into play. Okay. I'm now planning for things that I can see. Mm -hmm. So I can plan for running out of money. Mm. I can plan for 
um, not having enough money in the mortgage. I can plan for not drawing down 100,000 out of the mortgage and not telling the missus about it, and then having to have that honey conversation. Because if you've ever been in a scenario where your, your partner says to you, honey, if, we don't go back, if you don't go back to work on Monday, go back to your professional career, mm. we lose the house mm. um, and the kids and uh, we'll be out on the street and, and la la. And you know, because, so I have, I have my, um, I might explain this a little simpler. I have my 42 laws of success. But 42, I have just 42. 42. <laughs> Why 42? Yeah. Answer the life, the universe, yes. the meaning of everything, 42. of course. <laughs> but, but the first three are the ones that matter. Okay. Number one in a venture, have fun. Yep. I mean, it's going to be hard. You're going to know that. You can see that from the beginning once mm. you start mapping out a strategic plan. So mm. if it's going to be hard, why not enjoy the process? Yep. Have fun with the challenges and the difficulty. Relish mm. them. Look forward to it. It's like going to the gym. It bloody hurts when you're lifting those weights. Yeah, Push those last couple of reps out. You know you're going to, it's going to hurt, mm -hmm. but I'm, you're going to have fun with it. When I'm in the gym and I'm working out, I'm... I'm in a hiatus at the moment on that. Um, <laughs> but, right. but normally speaking, um, yeah. you know, I'm loving the process because yeah. I know I'm thinking I'm focusing on the outcome and the result. Yes. And so I love the process. Yeah. I do like the pain. Um, the second thing is um, never bet more than you can afford to lose. Mm -hmm. And so having that buffer and having that strategic plan means that you are not only fully informed by it, you're able to involve other people in the decisions of that process. You're able mm -hmm. to get some guidance around that able to ask people, is this a big enough buffer? Should I use more? What provisions am I going to need? What contingencies do I need to be thinking about? So you're now ideally mm -hmm. asking better questions around your go-no-go -no -go points. Get it. And the, and the third thing is 90% of ventures that, that you will start or imagine are going to fail. Yeah, be aware of that. Design it into the you've process. Got, you've got no guarantees. So, yes. so if I didn't bet more than I can afford to lose, and I follow law number three, which yes. is figure out how to stay in the game between ventures, mm -hmm. I'm keeping my powder dry mm -hmm. because my go-no-go -no -go points say, oh my God, XYZ Corporation in the US has just released a product which is 97% better than ours that yes. we were designing, mm. and if we launch we're dead in the water, mm -hmm. a go-no-go -no -go point might be that by the time you get to launch, before you launch, yep. is that you actually do another quick scan around the market. Because mm -hmm. when you did your original business planning and your market research and yep. your competitor analysis, mm -hmm. um, you might there might not have been anything going on, and suddenly there are three or four other companies yep. that are out there. Yep, and that's, that's what you said, ideas come from everywhere. And everyone has, like an idea is, if I, I find it funny when you talk to a, a founder and says, I've got this, brilliant idea, um, can you sign an NDA? That's one of the things I find funny. Um, and oh, you think the only person that has, <laughs> it, has this idea and it's never come from anywhere else and it's not taken from something else. Yeah, I, um, I don't sign them. And, yeah. and there's a reason I don't sign them. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the obvious reason. That, um, if, if somebody approaches me with an NDA and, I, and I've never signed them. Okay, yeah. Um, is because, well, actually, there's two reasons. Firstly, so you're asking me to invest in you Mm -hmm. Potentially, um, so you need my money to build your idea. Yes, and you're going to sign an NDA, and if I breach that non-disclosure agreement, mm -hmm. you're then going to sue me. Yeah, with what <laughs> money? <that> yeah, <laughs> um, but actually, so so it's so from a practical perspective, <laughs> it's it's just it's nuts. Yeah, but more importantly, uh -huh. what that person is demonstrating is that they're an amateur. 
I like that. that you're going to send me what money is a great point there. <laughs> yeah, hang on. So, so, so you're yeah. going to use the money I investing that yes. I've invested in you yeah. for you to sue me because yeah. I breached disclosure. Now, yeah. my my dad has uh, my dad passed away a few years ago. But he had this great phrase, he, um, and I'm I'm not sure it wasn't his, but you know, a very wise man, my dad, and could remember some really good quotes. Um, Between two people of integrity, no contract is required, and when yes. one has none, no contract is strong enough. Mm. So, so the question of if you need a non-disclosure agreement uh -huh. between people talking about an idea, yes. um, then you've already lost. Mm. Now, what most people don't understand is that you should use non-disclosure agreements with organisations, with corporations, with employees. Mm -hmm. But that's a different purpose. Yes. Okay, because you're protecting something like intellectual property or trade secrets. With a non-disclosure agreement, you are protecting technically the method. Mm -hmm. that, because that's what's patentable. Is the method, and that's all it is, really. And and an so if, if you're talking about an idea, mm. then there is no method yet. Mm -hmm. So you can't mm. sue me for an idea mm -hmm. because you know uh, Alexander Graham Bell is accredited with um, inventing the telephone in 1896. Yep. About the same time in I believe it was Croatia, there was another fellow who was 90 years old that was working the same thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody remembers Bell as being the one who invented the phone. Yeah. Um, Ideas are very ethereal. Mm. They arrive to multiple people at about the same time. Yeah, because it's what's happening in the environment, right? That's and right. It's, it's, everyone's in the, or people in the same environment at the same time, have the same problems. That's right. Come so, up with similar solutions so, or other solutions. That's right. Yeah. So there's no way I'm possibly going to go, well, this guy's come up, he's got an idea to solve world peace. Mm. And somebody else has come up with an idea to solve world peace. Yeah. But this guy says sign an NDA because I want to patent the rights to world peace. Yes. Okay. I'm using this as a yeah, bad example. Bad specific, example no, yeah. no, specifically because it's a good example of, yeah. you know, why would I, so, yeah. so I'm an investor. I want yes. to, I technically, I'm, yeah. I want to invest in world peace. I mm -hmm. want world peace. If I invest with that guy and sign his non-disclosure agreement yep. and he doesn't work, this fellow over here, I can't work with him no. because I've got a non-disclosure agreement. So it's no, yes. no insights or benefits that I've mm -hmm. got from my whole entire yeah. um, inside my head can I use yeah. with the guy on the right. Yep. And so what the world misses out on is world peace. I think you touched upon it, but if you didn't, I'll say it anyway. It's the idea is worth nothing. It's all about the execution and it's more about the people. It um, is. And from investors looking at the people and the... The concept, yes, that's one thing, but can you execute? Can you deliver? Wow. Yeah. Now, you see, now, now you're leading to somewhere that's really close to my heart as well because the question around execution. Mm -hmm. yep. So I'm looking at two guys who are pitching world peace to me. Mm -hmm. And one person has got a non-disclosure agreement yep. and the other person has got this strategic plan that's roughly mapped out with all their waypoints. Mm -hmm. Now, all their method, all their trade secrets and secret sources hidden away, Yes. but I know their roadmap. Yeah, you've got a plug. So then the, the, question, is the, the question becomes, who do I want to work with? The guy with the roadmap or the guy with the non-disclosure agreement? Because mm. I can't work with everybody. I can only work with some people. Yes. So the strategic plan, the roadmap, is what great investors are looking for mm -hmm. and what great founders should be doing mm -hmm. because, the, um, as Kerry Packer used to say, operate from document, not from thought. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you've got a roadmap... That's all your waypoints. You're projecting yep. then, you're mapping out the things that you can see or can anticipate. Mm -hmm. So you're then free to respond to the things that you can't see or can't anticipate. Yep. Whereas the fellow who's still just hacking together a product and is worried mm -hmm. about non-disclosure agreements, yes. he's, he's of a scarcity mindset and he's mm -hmm. not someone I can work with, mm -hmm. but he's also not thinking about the journey. No, he's focusing on the tech. 
in that, yeah. in that world, not yeah. about the whole mystic approach of what a business is and what yeah. the venture is, as you call, alluded to. Um, you talked about strategic planning quite a bit in this conversation. Now, we can all get, or some of us can get stuck and maybe be working on a strategic plan for three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, and others might work on it for a day and think they've got a runway and they're good to go. Um, what would you recommend to a startup founder to be looking at the key areas, and maybe some time frames around what you should be investing into this to make sure you have something that's going to move you forward? Okay. So um, there's a, there's a, I think I can give you a really good summary here of, of some of the most important elements along the process. I said before that 90%, we didn't really sort of get into it, but I said 90% of the stuff doesn't matter and 10% does. Mm -hmm. Okay, so think about the number of ventures that you've done. If this is your first time up at bat, yes. um, then th and if this is the first time you've done anything like this, then I think you should spend a good six months circling around this. Six months, okay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And remembering, of course, that we talked about creating personal runway as well, mm -hmm. that six months time frame is not spent in isolation because you're not only going to be thinking about the audience and the market, you're going to be talking to people, you're going to be asking questions, mm -hmm. but you've also got some time to build and prepare some runway. Okay. And, and get some insight. Maybe you might need to do a course at a local TAFE around financial management mm -hmm. because every venture yes. is going to be living and dying by its numbers. And if you, mm -hmm. you know, if um, you know, again, I was saying about Kerry Packer before, the other phrase I love about Kerry Packer is that Kerry Packer knew more about his numbers guy mm -hmm. than his numbers guy did. Kerry Packer didn't do his numbers, yep. but he knew more about it. If you don't know your numbers in a business, mm -hmm. if the math doesn't work, the business won't. Yes. Okay. So if you're not great on numbers, mm -hmm. two things. Either find somebody who is great and can explain it to you in simple terms, mm -hmm. or learn to do it better yourself. Yeah. So, and if you can't get your personal finances in order and create and know what your personal runway is, how can you possibly do that with a business? So, if your first venture out, you're going to want some time to do that. Mm -hmm. And I say take six months, twelve if necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's not this idea, yes. it'll be the next one, or the one after that, or mm -hmm. the one after that, or the one after that. Okay. No, none of this is wasted. Mm -hmm. Okay. You'll start to develop. Uh, now, if it's your third or fourth venture, now maybe you've built some runway up, you've got some capacity, mm -hmm. you've, you've started getting some, some um, uh, advice and some guidance together and some sources of influence and started building a network and mm -hmm. you've got some more insights and perspective, then maybe you don't need six or 12 months because you've done your planning on certain portions of that all, all well. Now mm -hmm. maybe you only need two, three, four months. Get it. So you understand what you need at that point. You understand the financial components. Yep. What will hold you back, and you've really got clarity on that. And now it's about looking at the audience, finding what, yeah, uh, asking those key questions that you alluded to. Yeah. What, what are your key problems? What would you love to see? And those specific problems are going to slowly get to you, you e to that plan. Exactly. Yep. So you've solved the internal questions, mm -hmm. and now mm -hmm. you're focused on the external, the um, externalities. The, okay. uh, the audience in the market, mm -hmm. but you've at least addressed your internal stuff. Yeah. So, you, so you've reduced your, your uh, you've increased your capacity, you've increased your runway, yeah. decreased your expenses. You know what uh, budgets you would have, and you're you're starting to get familiar with the process. Yeah. And then, and that, by the way, does lead to the concept of mm -hmm. eventually you you can move from a point of being a uh, an, on, an entrepreneur or a founder yes. to a serial entrepreneur or a serial founder mm -hmm. to eventually becoming what's known as a parallel entrepreneur where you're actually mm -hmm. able to build multiple ventures at the same time. Why? Because huh. you're only doing the 10% that it matters because you know what the 10% is. Interesting.
Yeah, a different way to think of it. Yeah. My, I'm in the school of thought of focusing on one thing at one thing at a time. Um, that's me. Um, just getting that, driving that home, and I find that it delivers better outcomes when you're just I, pushing pretty hard on one objective. And for some yeah. people, that's that's perfect. For yes. me, I have a singular vision, but yes. I have multiple ways of doing that because, I'm, different. A, because yeah. I'm a polyman, mm-hmm. and so I'm interested mm-hmm. in lots and lots of different things. Mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. my, my capacity to see the big vision mm-hmm. is actually about standing back and looking at the whole picture okay. and joining the lines between dots. Mm-hmm. For some people, the best way they work yeah. is absolute laser-like focus, mm-hmm. and that's fine as long as you're making sure that you're doing, mm-hmm. not just doing things right, yes. but you're doing the right thing. Oh, the right, and that's a better, that's a better question. Yes. Are you doing the right thing? Does so, it matter, so, <laughs> so matter if you're doing a great job at something that doesn't mean anything to everyone else, right? Yeah. You need to do a good job at what people care about. I suppose I could come back and summarise this a hundred different ways, but mm. I maybe want to iterate those, those three laws that I said. Um, is, is again, in terms of figuring out what my process of validating an idea is, have fun. Mm-hmm. And there's another reason for that too, is because if this is something that I can't find a way to have fun with, mm. and I'm creating a business or a venture around it, yep. like there are certain industries that I would never be involved in, just because I, I don't like those industries, or they don't feel like they're ethical, or, or I couldn't enjoy them, or I don't feel like I could have fun in them. So I wouldn't do them. Um, because if you're going to be in a business for 20 years, mm. or a venture of 5 or 10 or 20 years, and you're going to live it, then shouldn't you want to love it? Yeah, you need to love what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and if, you, if you're not going to love it, stay in your day job, I think. Yeah. Um, you may not love that either, but at least you don't have the headaches behind trying to run a business and um, build a team, build capacity and actually serve customers. It's, there's a lot more that goes into it than just rocking up at 9 o'clock and leaving at 5. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, so, and, then, and that's, a, that's yeah. the important thing. And the second thing mm-hmm. is, you know, um, is don't bet more than you can afford to lose. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're on a journey with your partner together in life, then the last thing you want to do is put uh, mm-hmm. an idea or a venture um, in the way of jeopardising that long-term relationship. You know, you might have kids, you might have goals and visions and plans together of your own. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you want to do is, is put all of that... I think we've got rats on the roof. Uh, <laughs> big bloody rats. Um, the last thing you want to do is put that long-term relationship in jeopardy. So, yeah, certainly don't, don't do that. Keep your powder dry. Yeah. Um, and the third thing is, you know, figure out how to stay in the game between ventures is, is really key. I mean, mm. that's a, probably the best I can, okay. advice I can give you yeah. about any idea. Not about the process, mm-hmm. but about your planning. Yeah, no, and I think this is a really good conversation to people that have that idea and are at that point and they're thinking... Who's going to develop this for me? Because that's a question that pops in the head, and that's clearly the wrong the wrong question you should be asking. Um, and yeah, I think that conversation around looking, digging in a little bit more around the strategic plan, understanding the business before you actually try to deliver a product that may be solving the complete wrong problem. Um, I think that's really important um, insight for people out there listening. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope I hope that's been a help. Um, yeah. You know, this is certainly it's, it's a topic I love talking about, yeah. and. And, and I hope that this sparks further conversations because that's yeah, really all what this is about. Yeah. It's a conversation. Yeah. And, and I think for those aspiring founders out there, if, if you're out there, the more conversations you can have, the more with different types of audiences, mm-hmm. the more insights that you can get, the more perspective you get, the more well-armed you're going to be mm-hmm. in whatever idea it is that comes yes. along mm-hmm. um, because it's never about the product. No, it isn't. It's about solving the problem and serving the customer. And yeah... I think that's a good summation, Dan. Thanks for having it. Thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it and Thank sharing your knowledge and thoughts and on the topic. And uh, 
Uh, we'll have you in again, I'm sure. Thanks, uh, for Talk about me. other topics and oh. different areas and categories. Thanks, mate. Love it. Looking forward to it. Cheers, Thanks. Dan. Thanks, Cheers. buddy.